Hello and welcome to The Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Let's start with the third step prayer. God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties, that victory over them. May bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. And I do thy will always. Okay, well, that's me off the hook then. And um, thank you, everybody who's here, and particularly you know, Daniel and Brendan for getting this organized, and Dennis and, and or everyone else that's been involved. I know it's been, Gene, it's been a fantastic effort. Uh, and as, as you say, isn't it wonderful that we are now quite practiced in our fellowship? at communicating like this uh, years before we really had to. And, uh, and I think we're, we're really well ahead of the curve now, uh, which is brilliant. Um, I'm going to be talking about step zero and what I call boarding the essay life raft. Um, and I, I, I'm really glad to be talking on this subject because first of all, I need to hear this message myself because I, I have, you know, it's part of my makeup really to keep stepping off walking the plank, you know, <laughs> voluntary <laughs> and getting off off the life run. And it did take me a while to get on. Um, so we'll sort of say, what is step zero? So step zero is that we participate in the fellowship of the program. And um, I think it's amazing that, that, that Roy had these sort of insights. Roy, Roy K. I found he had these insights that there are there are these extra steps. You know, there's also a step seven and a half uh, or eight and a half, and um, and uh, called forgiveness. And this one it sort of comes up front. And 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 why is that? Why why do I I need to participate in the fellowship before before anything really actually starts happening? Well. I, I came into SA, by the way, I've been in SA for 25 years, and I'm grateful uh, to my higher power and to the, to the program of SA that I've been sober for that 25 years. And, um, you know, but I came into SA from another S fellowship. I'd been in that S fellowship for five years, and I kind of got sort of sober. Uh, but I ended up uh, having a committed relationship. Uh, in recovery, I'm putting inverted commas around the committed relationship for those of you who are only listening on audio. Um, because in those days, you know, I thought a committed relationship was that you're basically having sex with one person at a time, you know, and that was kind of that was about as much as commitment meant to me. Um, but I, I had this, um, I suppose, this epiphany, this this moment of clarity, uh, having got into this. Um, so-called committed relationship and things started getting really difficult and really dangerous and um, and I, I, I realized that I was 
I was stuck. I, 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 I couldn't get out. I couldn't set boundaries and keep them. I was powerless. And, um, and it dawned on me that I was going to have to change my sobriety definition from no sex outside a committed relationship to no sex outside marriage. And I didn't want to do that. And it took me a couple of weeks to work that through. And basically, in the end, I still didn't know whether that would be necessary. Uh, but in the end, it just wouldn't leave me alone. And I made the decision. And of course, as soon as I made the decision, I knew that it was the right one. I, I could feel that in every cell of my body that I had actually stepped onto solid rock and I was now in recovery. And so I was in the other S fellowship with no sex outside marriage as my sobriety definition. I was able to withdraw from this crazy violent relationship and, um, and you know, return to be nearer part of the country where my children lived and so on. And it was the beginning, the first step into, into, into real kind of sanity and sobriety. Um, but in an important way, I hadn't really got on to the SA life raft. I mean, I was still in S, the other S fellowship at the time. I met, the first member of SA I met was at a, a convention um, of another fellowship, actually, not an S fellowship, but another a non-fellowship. And I heard this guy sharing that he was he was a member of Sexholics Anonymous. And so I spoke to him afterwards and he told me he was an SA. And I actually asked him to become my sponsor. Uh, but in a funny sort of way, neither of us were really, at that point, neither of us were really embedded in the SA fellowship. I, I'd been imagining myself to be sober in the other S fellowship for about five years. And and it was um, definitely thinking of myself as a bit, you know, as a bit of a spiritual giant, really. And uh, and so I, when I approached essay, I sort of came in what I call a cultural attaché to essay from the other S fellowship. You know, uh, so I was there, but it was really more to, to lend a little tone to what would otherwise be a vulgar brawl, and um, and you know, just uh, learn what you guys had. Perhaps, you know, I might do a little bit of smorgasbord, a bit of this, a bit of that, you know, to add to my program. And, um, and it, it didn't work too well. And um, I went on like that for about a year, uh, just sort of I mean, bumping along on the bottom, not feeling terribly good about myself, not very happy in my recovery and so on. And then, uh, I went to a convention in London. Now, this was... You know, we're now talking 24 years ago. I'm, I'm, I'm sober. I mean, technically, I'm, I'm not, I'm not acting out. I'm not, I'm not engaging in lust, but I'm a bit miserable. I'm miserable, and um, haven't really joined the SA program. Uh, so I, I, I go to this um, convention in London, and during one of the sessions, um, one of the members, one of the people present mentioned something about the sobriety definition, you know, the fellowship-wide sobriety definition. And, and I shared that I knew that I needed to be sober by the definition of no sex outside marriage, but I wasn't sure whether anyone else did. And I remember a member came up to me after the meeting, and he said to me, 
you're on a different track. And it was like being kicked in the privates. It was very painful, just to, just him saying that. Um, and getting on the train to go home to the north of England and, um, and, and feeling desperate, you know, in pain because of like I've been kicked, you know, just by this person saying, you're on a different track. And so I thought about it and I said, well, maybe he's right. Well, let's, let's, let's assume he is right. If he's right, then I have to do one or two things. I have to get off my track and get onto the essay track, or I got to stay on my own track. And when I thought about staying on my own track, I just felt this unutterable loneliness, this total despair. It was terrible. And I just thank God for that feeling because I realized that was the moment at which I said, no, I have to get off my, I cannot go back onto my own track. I have to get off my track and get onto the essay track. And I think that was the moment at which I decided to get on board the essay life raft. That uh, as, as something that I needed, not, 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 not as a sort of, you know, a nice to have option, but something that I actually really needed to have. So I, I, I you know, I, I, I got back home and I, I asked the guy who confronted me if he would be my sponsor. And, and, you know, I've been on board the SA Life Raft since then. And of course, there are various sort of dimensions to this. It is, it is kind of like, it is, I have this picture of a life raft floating in a sea of lust and I'm on board. And not only I'm on board, but I have to get to the center. You know? And there are some tools that will help me get to the center and have helped me get to the center. Okay. So if anybody is listening to this and has, has, is having trouble with boarding the SA Life Raft, I can recommend meetings, 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 lots of meetings, phone calls, conventions, and sort of social activities. These are, these are the kind of things that help us to get on board. Because to start off with, you know, maybe we're just hanging onto the life raft with one finger. And, and, uh, and it takes effort to get out of the water and on board. And of course, that's where it's really helpful to have other people around us who can give us the lift. And we can say to them, help me to get on board. You know, would you be my sponsor? Um, the other things that, that are really important in this is that is that that we do the basics of the program so we join the fellowship get a sponsor work all 12 steps and do service this is this is this is this is our program that's what the program consists of fellowship sponsorship steps and service and that when we do these four things we develop a relationship with our higher power sufficient to keep us sober because that's the great reality for me. I have a problem only God can solve. I cannot keep myself sober from lust. I'm a lust addict. If you, I'm like a stick of seaside rock. If you cut me in half, you know, the word lust goes right the way through. You know? And so I can't keep myself sober. God has to keep me sober. My, my problem is self and all my defects of character the hundred forms of selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear that, that block my connection with my higher power. 
in order to get that cleared so that you know, God's grace can flow, I need to work the steps. And in order to work the steps, I need a sponsor who's on the same path, further down the path, who's done their steps and can help me with working mine. So I, I got on board. I got a sponsor who I would obey and who I could not manipulate. And that was, that's a big, that was a big change for me. I, I, I surrendered. Okay, I'm going to do it your way. I'm not going to, I'm no longer going to be an entrepreneur in a china shop. I'm going to be surrendering my will. I'm going to try to find out how you guys work and I'm going to try to do it your way. You know? And that was, that was very hard because I have been, my life has been so much about rebellious self-will, about doing things my way. You know, the, um, and so, you know, I can identify with the problem as it's stated in the white book, you know, um, I, many of us uh, felt we were inadequate, unworthy, alone, and afraid. I was. I felt inadequate, unworthy, alone, and afraid. And I had to find a way to become adequate, worthy, connected, and trusting. And I can't do that on my own. I have to have a fellowship. I, it's a we program. You know, all the steps begin with we admitted we were powerless. It's a we program. We're doing together what we could not do alone. Yeah. And if you like, I mean, so, you know, solitary acting out with myself sexually is sort of the, is the is the image of isolation. Right? I need to put that down and learn how to connect, and not how to connect in a lustful way, but how to collect, connect in a same way, I mean, essentially in a loving way, in a, in a, in a way of loving and giving. And, and I, that's not easy. I mean, you know, I'm still selfish now. I regularly notice myself behaving in selfish ways. So, you know, God's not finished with me yet. But it's like, the important thing is, where am I headed? You know, which direction am I headed? In? You know, am, am, I, am I on a different track or am I on the essay track? And that's, that's the big difference today. Today, I'm on the essay track. Okay. So I want to say a little bit about the, uh, the sobriety definition, how this is related to the question of being on the life raft. Okay. Because I think this was the other side of what was going on. I, when I came into SA, I was thinking like somebody from the other S fellowship that set because in the other things fellowship, we set our own sobriety definition. Okay, so everyone had their own individual sobriety definition. So I, I, I have sat in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a meeting of an S fellowship where there was a guy there who said uh, that, uh, that he could uh, look at pornography provided he was wearing rubber gloves while looking at the pornography, and then he would be sober. But if he took his rubber gloves off and looked at the pornography without rubber gloves on, he wasn't sober. And, and, you know, and I'm thinking, well, I'm committed to no pornography. So I don't have, I don't have a, I don't have a sense of real fellowship with this guy. I'm not really, we're not really marching to the same drum. So 
Oh, and, and so when I first came into SA, I, I didn't realize that our sobriety definition is the basis of our association. I've got on to the SA life raft because I want to be sober by the SA sobriety definition. I, I haven't, in a sense, got on just because I want to be in the same life rafts as Brendan and Daniel. I got on because Brendan and Daniel are committed to the same sobriety definition as I. And that's, you know, that's, that's a different thing. And it's why it doesn't work, in my experience, to have meetings where there are people, you know, in the, in the meetings, in the rooms, who are not committed to the same sobriety. Um, I, you know, I have come across meetings that are, you know, one week they're this S fellowship and the next week they're SA, you know, and then vice versa again. You know, I, I don't see how that can work because my sense of fellowship comes from being committed to the same objective to become sexually sober by the SA sobriety definition and to stay sober by the essay sobriety definition. And that, that, that common trajectory, that common target, that common objective gives that sense of connectedness. And that as we all move from our various different points of the compass towards this goal, we actually become closer and closer together. Um, I, I did think of, uh, of another metaphor, which was, was quite interesting to me, that I'm not, uh, I don't say, I'm on a parallel path to my sponsor. We're, we're not going to merge. We're going to stay distinct. I'll be me, he'll be him. We're very different in many ways. In fact, the extraordinary thing is that I've, my sponsor and I have, have, have jogged along for 20 years now Without, without a serious, any kind of a falling out, uh, despite the fact that we're in many ways, politically, religiously, and in other ways, we're kind of like poles apart. But we both have this common commitment to the essay sobriety definition. We both hate lust, and we both want to learn to love. So we're, we're moving in the same direction. And I think of that as kind of parallel lines, parallel lines. We're moving along parallel lines. We're moving along the same path. And that path, as, as we call it the straight and narrow, you know, and as we go down the straight and narrow, the straight and narrow gets straighter and narrower. You know? But he's there. And I'm, you know, been sober a lot longer than me. Uh, and so I know that he has what I want, which is long-term sobriety. And, okay, he's very different in many other ways. So there are many things about him that I don't want. What I do want is that long-term sobriety. And I think that's all that I have to offer. You know, if you want what I have, that's all really that I have to offer you is, is my long-term sobriety. You know? And I'm not, I'm not offering you my, my halitosis or my dandruff or, you know, or my ways of thinking about you know, religion or anything. I'm, I'm offering you, if you want long-term sobriety, that's what I have by the grace of God. 
on the program let's say. So the only requirement for membership is a desire to stop lusting and become sexually sober by the essay sobriety definition. That's tradition three in the long form, as I now call it, where it's been extended to clarify what we mean by sobriety. Because people do come into the program thinking, well, I just want to get sober. But they're still in their own minds. You see, they're thinking of sobriety as something unique to them. They're not seeing sobriety as something being defined by us, something that's common to us, something that we've each individually decided to adopt and pursue. And that's very important. And I think it's one of the reasons why, in my, to my mind, SA is orderly and united. And when the sobriety definition gets challenged, as it does from time to time, well, quite regularly, in a way, every 10 years or something like that, there's another revolt, that once that is overcome, then the sense of unity returns and the and the um, orderliness and the purposefulness of the fellowship is palpable. And when we're in a sobriety definition crisis, we can feel the grinding and the pain and the and the disunity. Um, so <laughs> I have this picture of myself sort of, you know, somebody swimming towards the SA life raft. And I'm saying, um, do you want to get on board here? Because we're all committed to no sex outside marriage. But over there, there's another life raft for another S fellowship. And there's no one over there. And there's no one over there. You know, if you want to make your own sobriety definition up, then swim towards that one. They'll be very happy to accommodate you, okay? But really, we're for people who want to be on board this life raft, who want this kind of sobriety. So, of course, once I'm on, my job is to help others to get on board. It's not easy to get out of the water and onto a life raft. I actually need, to, my, my hand needs to be there to help people on board and then to help them to get to the center. So what does that mean? Well, it means helping people to work through the 12 steps because there's, a, you know, there's, a, there's a, a whole world of difference between a newcomer, you know, just getting on board with the shakes, not just from the coldness of the water, but from the, you know, the withdrawal that they're going through and getting them all the way to the spiritual awakening, to getting to the party in the middle of the life raft, where you know, where where it's all happening, where where the fellowship is, um, and so helping people in that way to orientate themselves. Okay, now, you know, you're on board. Now, you know, let's get you through the steps as soon as possible. You can always go and do them again. You know, you can always do them a little bit deeper. Let's get you through. Let's get you to twelve step to step twelve as soon as we can, so that you can start to experience the promises of the fifth step, and the promises of the ninth step, and the promises of the tenth step, and the promises of the twelfth step. You know, let's get you the promises, so that you're not left well, you know, wondering what this is all about. That you're actually experiencing what it really is about which is 
the relief, because, because you know, that's what the steps are for. They're, they're to give me relief. I, I, you know, mistakenly, when I first came into recovery, I thought the steps were a punishment. You know, that I've been a bad boy. I've been misbehaving. And now, you know, I was going to have to do the steps as a punishment, but not at all. And I, my first sponsor really helped me with that by saying, why don't you give yourself the fifth step for Christmas? Because that gave me the idea that it's a gift. Twelve steps are a gift. And also, you know, I'm a part of a program which is about honesty, unselfishness, purity, and love. Honesty, unselfishness, purity, and love. And I cannot participate in that program unless I get honest. I don't get honest with myself. Where have I been? What are my habitual defects, shortcomings, the things that I have learned as a child as a sort of a survival mechanism to help me cope with life, which included acting out with myself sexually? What have I, what, you know, but now these things have I've become addicted to them. My people pleasing, approval seeking, my fear of authority figures, you know, my my compulsive sexual behaviors, you know, my uh, substance abuse, all of these things are ways of coping with uh, an impossible childhood. Uh, now, now I have to get honest and unlearn all that. I have the first thing I have to do is to admit that the problem exists and not deny it. I have to get really rigorously honest about my defects of character and then become entirely ready to have God remove them. You know, and that, and then to make amends for the people that I've harmed. I have to deal with my resentment, my fears, and my guilts. I have to dispose of them because those are all things that block me off from the sunlight of the spirit. I want, if I want God to be active in my life, which is absolutely essential for me as an addict, and I must remove the blockages that stand in the way of my connecting with him, of, of, of learning what his will for me is. Which, which brings me on to another interesting point. You know, when I first came into recovery, I, I thought that God was the ultimate liberal, okay? I, I imagine God was some, some vaguely friendly, floaty thing in the sky that had no concerns about right and wrong. You know, was cool with whatever I wanted to do. You know, I mean, if, if if I wanted to have sex outside marriage, he was okay with that, you know. If it works for you, Nicholas, do it, you know, sort of thing. And as time's gone on, I've come to realize that, no, he has very definite ideas about right and wrong. The God of my understanding has very definite ideas about right and wrong. He does not want me playing with razor blades. He does not want me wasting the time of fertility of women I'm not married to. He does not want me risking sexually transmitted diseases and giving them to other people. He does not want me engaging in sterile sex. There's a lot of things that I've realized as a result of this journey that he has very, very specific ideas about. And my job is to find out what those are and live according to them if I want to do his work. So that's been another part of the journey. And again, I... One reason I love being on the SA Life Raft is because I recognize that I'm, I'm on the same life raft with people who are on a similar journey. Maybe not everybody wants to go into it in the depths that I, that I enjoy going into, but that 
but I'm with fellow spirits. That's the thing. And um, and then the other blinding insight comes from our good old favourite, page 152, uh, the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. If you indulge me a minute, I will just read it to you. Page 152 is the first paragraph. It says, we have shown how we got out from under. You say, yes, I'm willing, but am I to be consigned to a life where I should be stupid, boring, and glum, like some righteous people I see? I know I must get along without lust, but how can I? Have you a sufficient substitute? Now there's an idea. I need a substitute for lust. Lust was the way I survived. Lust was the way I got through life. Now lust is being removed. I have to have a substitute for it. Have you a sufficient substitute? Answer, yes. There is a substitute and it is vastly more than that. It is a fellowship in Sexaholics Anonymous. The fellowship is the substitute for lust. And I need a substitute. And then some promises. There, in the fellowship, Sexaholics Anonymous, you will find release from care, boredom, and worry. Your imagination will be fired. Life will mean something at last. The most satisfactory years of your existence lie ahead. Thus we find the fellowship, and so will you. Beautiful. The fellowship is the substitute for lust. That's why it's not really optional. I need it. I need to be part of this fellowship. You know, it's belonging to this fellowship is a major factor in my life. And the amazing thing, one of the reasons why I love being in the fellowship, I feel, I don't feel afraid in the fellowship, is because nobody can kick me out. I'm a member because I have a desire to stop lusting and become sexually sober according to the essay sobriety definition. Nobody can, nobody can say, Nicholas, you weren't really, you know, you weren't really a sexaholic, you know, you, 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 you didn't really, you know, you didn't really get into some really nasty stuff. Well, well I did basically, but, you know, I mean, there's, there's, no, there's no other requirement for membership and there's no essay police. I can't be thrown out. I belong. I'm here for the, for the duration, you know, and, and that's somehow extremely comforting. No, I'm now I'm now 71. I've come to move live in the north of England, and and I'm literally I'm about 20 paces away from where my father is buried, in a double depth grave, and 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 that's where I'm hoping to be buried as well. So I'm I'm you know I'm my 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 thoughts now you know I'm 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 down the curve. I'm maybe in the on the last lap now of the race, and I know where I'm going to end up. But in the meantime, I have utter confidence, first of all, that I'm going to a better place with my higher power. And secondly, that in the meantime, none of you can kick me out. I'm a member here. I'm on the life raft. And I'm, 
you know, as close to the centre of the life rust as I can get, where the party's happening. So that's, you know, that's, that's beautiful. So from being inadequate, unworthy, alone, and afraid, I've now become adequate, worthy, connected, and trusting. That's what, that's what I want. That's the proof of the pudding. That's the spiritual awakening, which, uh, which I know that many of you have and those who haven't, all I can say is do your steps as soon as possible. Get through those steps. Uh, and maybe just last one I happen to be thinking of it at the moment is uh, one of the – I'm a bit of a pioneer, as, as you've already heard, but um, – and one of the things that I experimented with a few years ago was turning my house into a kind of like a recovery house and having people come to stay and or, or live in the local area. And, and we would have fellowship on a daily basis. We had table fellowship and things like that. You know? And so we had the SA Recovery House in Bournemouth. Now, I, it was a very small house. It only actually had two bedrooms, two small bedrooms. So there were only two of us could live in the house at that time. Uh, well, I've, I've now moved up to the north of England and I now live in a four-bedroom house, uh, which could probably accommodate about 12 people. And uh, I know as a single person, I've, I've, I've lived, I haven't been in a sexual relationship for 25 years and I've been in the programme. So uh, I'm facing Christmas possibly on my own. So now this is where the enlightened self-interest comes in, see? I know that the thing I would most enjoy having, funnily enough, even more than having members of my family to stay, would be to have a few SA members coming to stay with me for Christmas. And I know that many SA members are single, or at least divorced, or you know, living alone, and are also facing the prospect of uh, a Christmas on their own and lockdown. So I just wanted to... <laughs> use this opportunity to say that if there's anybody out there who's looking at being at Christmas on their own and thinks that they can get to Cumbria in England between the end of this current lockdown and the beginning of the Christmas lockdown, get yourself over here. You'd be very welcome. We'd love to have some fellowship with you. Um, and um, up to 12 people um, staying up for th up to three weeks. You know, if you get locked down here, that's fine. You know, we'd be happy to to be in lockdown with you, and um, uh, and let's uh, let's experience the substitute for lust. Um, and um, I think I'm going to leave it there now. I've gone uh, for 35 minutes, and uh, so if there, Thank if you, there are questions, we have. We definitely have a question. I just want to say that there's actually 160 people between YouTube and this webinar right now that are watching you. I don't know if you're aware of that. So uh, you're not speaking to you're not speaking to me and, and Brenda behind a behind a turned off video. So we do have a few questions. First of all, there was a, a comment from someone here in Israel who wanted to just mention that they can't wait to see here in Israel again, and more importantly, that you should know that some of the ladies are still avoiding sugar and white flour, uh, and that leads us and that leads us to the next question. Actually, so we have someone here who's actually quite new to the fellowship. She's uh, in three twelve step fellowships. And this is a question close to your heart. Sober in SA for 22 days with the same sex sponsor, member for 12 weeks. All three programs will probably, all problems will probably kill her. Should she make SA a top priority, as they say, um, uh, the other, uh, as, she, as she thinks she should? Um, or should she have an equal priority with AA sober since 2018 and OA 
sober date yesterday. What are your thoughts? Okay, very good. Thank you for that question. All right, I'm also in three fellowships, um, one for alcohol, one for food, and one for lust. And this is what, I, this is what I've learned. And this is from my own experience and also because of something that, that, that happened to me with a dear friend who couldn't get sober. Uh, that the quickest way for me to, uh, to collapse my recovery in all fellowships would be to pick up a drink of alcohol. If I did that, all bets would be off. But I have to say that first, okay? It's like my sobriety uh, around um, food and sex and lust would be immediately wiped out if I was to pick up a drink of alcohol. I have to stay away from mood altering chemicals. So my, my desire to stop drinking, my membership of AA is a very, it's, it's, it's almost like a, it's like a keystone. It's, it's, you know, I have to maintain that, but that doesn't mean that I have to go to a lot of AA meetings. I mean, actually, since I moved up here, I haven't because of the lockdown, I haven't been to an AA meeting. Um, and, but I, you know, I still have a clear yeah, desire to stop drinking. And, uh, uh, so that's 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 number one. Number two is that, as I think you know, some of you know, Harvey has this rule of three about sobriety. That some people come into SA and get sober immediately. About a third of the people, uh, about a third come in and get sober after a while, and about a third never get sober. Now I'm very interested in that third that never get sober, the chronic relapses. Okay, and in my experience, the one thing which works best, better than anything else, better than chemical castration, better than any of the other sort of fancy ideas that one might have for getting sober. The thing that works best is abstinence around food. If you want to get sober from lust, then abstinence around food is crucial. And I, I do notice that, that most people who've been long time sober in SA have some kind of a constraint on their consumption of food there's something they you know like they're, they're they're doing no sugar no white flour which is a great way to start um or they are abstaining from something or they're doing some religious fasting and abstaining that there's some they're not blowing it out on food all the time because basically gluttony precedes lust and has to be dealt with first. In the the, the, the desert fathers and the uh, early Christian era who were examining the spiritual path and learning from their own experiences in the desert, recognized, and this has been recognized in, it also you know, in Judaism and, and so on, going back into ancient times, that gluttony feeds lust. That the, the, these, these defects come at us in a particular order. The first one is gluttony, and the second one is lust. And that, I believe, is why many, many people in SA are chronically relapsing, because they, they actually, these people, need to deal with the food. And so in your, in your case, I mean, I, I would have to ask you, you know, how many times have you re relapsed? If, you, if you've come into SA and you've never relapsed, and even if you've just been in a short time and things are going well, and you've worked the steps, you've got a sponsor, you've joined the fellowship, doing service, good on you. That may be perfectly adequate. But if you relapse, personally, I would be thinking 
as suggesting that you deal with the food issue first. And that may mean um, a, a, a quite a strict program of food absence, <coughs> as I have, or perhaps for you it would be sufficient to have one that's uh, more like the one Daniel mentioned, which is no sugar, no wet flour, three moderate meals a day. But there is undoubtedly a link between gluttony and lust. They are like twins, they feed each other. And, and if you're chronically slipping in on lust, then deal with the gluttony is my suggestion. Thanks. So we actually have a bunch of questions coming in, so we'll try and answer them a, li a little quicker. We've got, uh, okay, okay. So the, next one, the next one is, um, very briefly, what were your first experiences of experiencing the real connection? Oh, oh, uh, wow. Oh, yes. Um, driving along the, uh, the motorway, um, you see, I, I had an over my dead body. When I, when I came into recovery, there was something I wasn't willing to do. I, I was sort of saying to myself, well, I'm, I'm willing to do everything except this. I'm, uh, and the, and I, was, I, was, I was unwilling to return to the religion in which I'd been brought up. Okay, so I'll do anything other than that. Okay, but there was a moment when I I got past that, and I, there were a lot of tears. And in this moment of complete surrender, I dragged my car at the time. I said, "God, I'm willing to do absolutely anything to get sober. I will even go back to the church if that's what you want." And that that was the real connection in that moment, because then then he could he could work with me because as long as I was. As long as I had an over my dead body, there was something I wasn't willing to do. I wasn't surrendered. No. Okay. Okay, great. Thank you. Uh, the next one. Hi, I've been sober for, seven, for 73 days as of today, and I'm at step zero. Here's my question. My sponsor keeps telling me to take it easy, enjoy your daily sobriety, enjoy yourself. How can I actually enjoy such a difficult way to face my flaws and shame has not been easy for me? Well, you know, there, there, there are different approaches to sponsorship. And, and mine is to get someone through the steps as quickly as possible. Um, the, the, in the early days of AA, if you came in there, you'd be, you'd be put into your surrender as soon as possible, as soon as basically the alcoholic fumes were out of your head. You know, you'd be down on your knees, making your surrender to God, writing your inventory or sharing your inventory. You probably didn't write because your hands are shaking. And then you'd be out making your amends. And, and no messing, you know, not, not a step a year or, you know, step a month or anything like that. Just get on and do it. Dr. Bob, in his... Uh, 5,000 days in recovery, no, 4,000 days in recovery. It was about 11 years Dr. Bob was in recovery before he died. That's 4,000 days. He took 5,000 people through the 12 steps. That's more than one a day. Okay. That's the rate at which they were working. If you've been in the program for 70-odd days and you have not got to step 12, something's not right in my book. Now, I don't want to have a fight with your sponsor. If you want to invite him to call me, I'd be very happy to share my experience taking away with him. But your job is to follow your sponsor or get another sponsor. Thank you. And uh, the, 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 the lady who, answered, who asked the question before about the three programs says thank you for the fabulous answer. Um, the next question. Um, hi, 
I'm a newcomer to SA. My first week, I'm working step seven in a money fellowship, which helped me to see my defective character addiction to lust. My wife left two years ago, and I've been sober since, and from porn and self-sex since 2006. Would you have anything to share with any thoughts, experience, strength, or understanding around wet dreams? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Thank you. Well, first of all, it's a great privilege to be sharing it at, uh, at one of your earliest meetings. And, uh, uh, you know, I hope that you find in the fellowship what I've found here. Okay. I, yeah, my attitude to wet dreams is, is, uh, is quite relaxed in the sense that I'm not responsible for what happens to me when I'm asleep. Okay, but if I were having a lot of wet dreams, I would be saying to myself, well, where am I picking up lust during the day? Because that's possibly what's happening. It might be dietary. It might be health. There could be other reasons for it. But if it was happening a lot, I would be looking to start counting first looks and and, and, and start being you know, very, very careful about what I looked at, what I saw, you know, and trying to avoid all kinds of triggers. But I don't, I don't get upset when I have a wet dream. Uh, I just think it's, well, it's basically, it's my body, it's just doing its thing and, and it's okay. And, you know, I reckon I, this might happen to me about three or four times a year, not very common. It was, it was more common in the early days, it's quietened down. And, um, and I, I just don't really give it much um, much um, energy. And uh, I certainly don't try uh, to stop myself in the middle of my dreams. I mean, I, I have noticed that um, I have nowadays, I have recovery dreams where I'm actually presented perhaps occasionally with, with, a, with a sexual situation, and I notice that I turn away. I recoil from it as from a hot flame in the dream. So in other words, my, my, my conscious recoiling from lust temptations has now moved into my unconscious, so I'm, I'm tending to do that. Uh, occasionally, I will have a dream where I actually consent, and that's more disturbing when that happens. When that happens, you know, then I definitely would have a word with my sponsor about it. And I would definitely, you know, redouble my um, meetings and step work and contact with members and sponsorship and so on and work the program harder. Thanks. Thank you. Uh, one person was just asking exactly what page in the white book was that that you quoted about the fellowship being substitute to lust. Okay, it's it's not the white book. It's the oh. it's the AA big book, and it's page one hundred and fifty-two. Thank you so much. One hundred and fifty-two of the big book. Thank you. Um, and I made the assumption it was the white book. Um, the next one. You said it's up to you to find the path that God has chosen for you. What path have you found along your journey? Okay, so the path of honesty, unselfishness, purity, and love. Okay. Now, because nowadays people are not too clear what we mean by purity, I just need to just say that we have some kind of idea about sexual purity, but it's 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 actually it's actually wider than that. That that, that there is a nature to things. There is a nature to me. I'm you know I am a human. I have a human nature, and and if I use something in accordance with its nature, I'm using it in a in a functional way. If I use it in a dysfunctional way, I'm abusing it. 
Okay, so if, for instance, I was to put some water in the tank of my car, it's that's abusing the car, right? You know, because it's 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 designed to have petrol in the car. You know, if I was to put kerosene on my tomatoes, uh, likewise, I would be abusing it. These would be acts of corruption, acts of impurity. Okay, it's the same thing that my my body has been designed for a particular purpose. And when I use it in accordance with its purpose, that's an act of purity. And when I'm using it contrary to its purpose, that's an act of impurity. And so when I'm using other people as objects or instruments, uh, then I'm also abusing them. So again, this is the path, path of honesty, unselfishness, purity, and love. And that is where the, the test for God's will could be so useful that if I am presented with two options, A and B, I can test them to see which is God's will. You say, is option A, honest, unselfish, pure and loving? Or is option B, honest, unselfish, pure and loving? And I can apply the reverse test as well, which is, is option A, dishonest, selfish, impure, or fear-driven? And it only needs to be one of those to fail, and then I can reject it. Or as option B, dishonest, unselfish, selfish, impure, or fear-driven. If you get to a situation where A and B both fail, that's because there's an option C, which God has not yet revealed to me, and that means I need to engage in masterful inactivity and prayer until option C becomes apparent. Now, that's it. Now, I can describe God's will in, in, in other terms. It's to help other sexaholics to get sober. I can apply the traditions to my own personal life. And, and that gives me a, another set of, of, of directions. It's to take the next right action. It's to take the last right action tonight, to get to bed early, having said my prayers, and thank God for another sober day. It's to help the suffering sexaholic in any way I can. So I can describe it in those kind of terms. Uh, I uh, also know that mortality being 100%, you know, it's God's will that I shall one day die and hopefully uh, occupy this grave that uh, is just over there. But uh, uh, do I think that, you know, he wants me to be... Um, the next president of the United States, definitely not. I don't think in, in those kind of terms, in those kind of specifics. I have some general principles which are guiding. Thanks. Thank you, Nicholas. Um, another great question here. What's the best way to find a sponsor when you first get on the Lifecraft? <laughs> okay, here's my suggestion. You look for the scariest person there. <laughs> the, one, the one that you really you know think i think being you know being sponsored by him would be really quite scary you basically were looking for someone you will obey that's and you know that's a very unfashionable idea um my i i take my sponsor suggestions as orders now he's never said to me nicholas you know you have to obey my suggestions as orders otherwise i'm going to fire you never said that it's, it, i have put myself in relation to him, into that situation. So if he makes a suggestion, I do it. I, it's, it's, there's, there's no argument. He suggests it, I do it. That's it. Okay. He's not a tyrant. He's not a dictator. 
I am placing myself into a position of obedience. If you prefer, it's a little bit more modern term, willingness. Okay, doesn't sound so sub 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 uh, subjective. Um, but the one thing to avoid, I think, is to look for the person you relate to. Because the person, you know, I relate to is the next squirrel on the branch. And, you know, I'm, that's not going to help. I need someone who has what I want, the long-term sobriety, and who I will obey. And I think that Brendan um, unmuted himself, even though he should be on camera, probably just to smirk slightly out loud, because I guess that's exactly what happened when he chose you as his sponsor. Uh, he definitely looked for the scariest guy in the room, right, Brendan? Oh, oh, like I have no idea. I, 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 but I was told this, and I was sitting there in in this building in in Clandidno, in uh, in Wales, and I was sitting there looking at this man in front of me, and and I was and I was gritting my teeth, you know, and I was saying, "Well, that would be bloody well you, wouldn't it?" You know, and, <laughs> but, but you. But, but you've already turned me down, you see, because I had asked him six months before oh, um, if he'd be my sponsor, and he'd said no, he couldn't. And it turned out that he he couldn't because he was um, he had been told by his sponsor only to take people with a year's sobriety. And by that, and at that stage, nobody wanted to take me. I mean, like really and truly. And I got a phone call two months after, sort of going after that. By which stage, by the way, I had moved. I had gone on a food program. Um, but but I went back to Ireland, and two months later, I got a phone call from my then sponsor, and he says, Brendan, I can't take you. I can't handle you. You've got an answer for everything. I mean, it's just doing my head in. And I said, well, okay. I said, well, would you ever ring Nicholas and ask him if he'll sponsor me? Yeah? Because yeah. I had this thing is that, like, I was, you know, I mean, one of the first things Nicholas right. ever said to me was he said, shut up. And, like, everybody around thought, God, Brendan's going to hit him, you know. Now, luckily, I didn't. Nicholas is the only one who was trained in survival techniques. But he, though he might be 10 years older than me, I still wouldn't trust that training. But, you know, and, 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 and literally, I thought myself, Jesus, who is this guy telling me to shut up? And then what I realized was that he was telling what he was, who he was telling to shut up were the voices in my head. Uh, I have to stop and you. have got a lot of questions. And I know that you can't stop. So I, There you I, go. I, well, you asked. I know I asked. Bring me back. Uh, Please keep your camera on, though, Brendan. Please keep your camera on. But uh, maybe like five word answers here, if we can, or ten word answers. The okay. first one: Do you have sponsors in all three in all three fellowships? Yes. Ah, now I just funnily enough, um, current, I've just asked the my someone in AA to uh, to find another sponsor. So actually, at the moment, two. Okay. Two, two fellowships. Yeah. Um. How often does one go through the steps? Uh, I would say uh, um, I'm, going to, I'm doing the steps 10, 11, and 12 on a daily basis. So daily. Daily. I like that. Um, we, have, we have a question here that um, we have a sexaholic with so many obsessions. It's not fair that he's put me in a situation that I have to ask him for freedom. I feel like I'm under an obligation that's God's pressure over me that I have no other choice. What would you say to this person? Well, one, number one, is learn to differentiate between a feeling and a thought because your question 
actually you're confusing feelings and thoughts. And that's a really helpful stage in, in recovery to, to sort out. I feel like or I feel that is a thought. It's not a feeling. Okay. So if you could rephrase your question as a thought and ask me again, I'd be very happy to answer it. Thank you. Um, any recommendations on selecting a sponsor to guide? We asked, we, we kind of answered that already. Um, what do you believe most commonly tries to sink the life raft? Ooh, the life raft is unsinkable. But the, uh, um, yeah, I suppose there are people who want to puncture it, and it's probably people who are disputing the sobriety definition. That, that would probably be it. Yeah, let's all let's all dispute the sobriety definition. We'll all go down. Okay, and um, it is said, and I've heard that whatever I put in front of my sobriety, I will lose. Can you explain why and how do I convince my wife that is really what I need to do? Mm. Well, I, I'm not sure that convincing your wife is going to be uh, time spent uh, proving herself right is seldom worthwhile particularly when it comes to a spouse. Um, but, uh, you know, I'd like to just issue you with a, a, you know, an endless supply of ICs and just get on with uh, doing what you need to do. Thank you so much. Just on that one, when Nicholas told me he'd give me a bucket of ICs, I thought, well, what is he talking about? A bucket of letters I and letters C? I mean, like, so it didn't mean any sense to me. And then I realized it meant IC. I see you might be right. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.